when I chose zombies as this week's uh, theme, uh, I actually wasn't thinking at all about uh, the the current timing of this recording. And while watching these movies, I don't know about you, but I couldn't stop thinking about coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I watched Night of the Living Dead first. And I had zero thoughts about coronavirus. Oh, I still thought about coronavirus. They're like, it's in the water. (laughs) Right. But like one minute into 28 days later, I was just thinking, oh shit, this movie is really topical right now. (laughs) Yeah. Especially like the, the monologuing, it's like... First, you were hearing about it in the news. Yeah. And then it's in your backyard. Right, yeah. And then just anytime someone was like, she's infected, uh, I thought, you know, about just a, a, an apocalyptic future where we were saying that about <laughs> people with the virus. I hope not. Yeah, I, I was asking Sonia the other day, like, I wonder how serious it is because I can't put it, like, I know a lot of people are getting infected, but I don't know if in the grand scheme of things, if I'm not keeping up with it. So I have no idea. Well, only time will tell what that infection turns into. Yeah. All right, let's start. This is Necromancer. At Necromancer, well, me, I'm a rom-com fan. And me, I'm a horror movie fan. We get together every week. I make Brett watch a rom-com. And I make Shira watch a horror movie. And then we turn around and we remix those movies. We turn that horror into a rom-com. We turn that rom-com into a horror. And we see what comes out the other side. And... And more than any other genre, (laughs) zombie (laughs) is really hard to flip-flop. Oh, God, it's so hard to flip-flop. Because they're already opposites of each other. You know what I mean? Like, they're so similar in terms of what they do. Well, you know, I think that it's hard to remix zombies now because zombies have been remixed so many times. Right. And already comedy like the zomcom has its own wikipedia page like that's how many zombie comedy mashups there have been and and i had a lot of movies i could have chose from in this instance actually which is which is strange because it's not like there's a serial killer comedy wikipedia page right but for zombies specifically there is so i feel like we've we've seen a lot of different zombie movies from the campy to the serious um i don't know if there's ever been like a zombie drama i, mean, maybe I like- think maggie there was that movie maggie which i never saw although i should have because it has arnold schwarzenegger in it oh that's right and- but i think maggie is a serious zombie drama Mm-hmm. I'll have to watch it and report back. Yeah, I feel like there's a few like that where it's like their character pieces. Right. Where it's uh, like there's two types of zombie movies, it seems. Like there's zombie movies where it's everyone, we're all infected, 
apocalypse time now um and then the other type of zombie movie is one person comes back from the dead sure or i mean do you think those count where one person is a zombie yeah or the focus is on just a single character like diet zombie yeah diet zombie zombie light Zombie light. Do you think Pet Cemetery counts as zombie? Uh, I don't automatically think of zombie when I think of Pet Cemetery, but I mean, you could make the argument. I wouldn't argue mm-hmm. with you if you said that. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that like the whole the zombie horde is its own genre. Right. What What do you think made people decide to make so many zombie comedies? Uh, <laughs> well, I think Shaun of the Dead came out. And that movie was so good um, that everyone was like, oh, I want to do that. Um, Yeah, it was really hard to watch Night of the Living Dead and just not compare it to Shaun of the Dead. Right. Now, coming out with a a Zom rom-com in a post-Shaun of the Dead world where Edgar Wright has kind of already done the best version of that thing is really hard. Um, the reason though I chose Night of the Living Dead though is because I felt like, um, it would have been too easy to pick Shaun of the Dead and it would have been too easy to pick Warm Bodies with Nicholas Holt. Um, is that, I, have you seen that one? I've seen it and I think it's okay. Sure. I think, um, okay, spoilers for Warm Bodies, skip, I guess, a minute if you don't, if you don't want to hear this, but... The thing I don't like about that movie is it's the premise is a romance between a zombie and a human girl, and it's predicated on, like, the whole third act relies on this idea that zombies can be cured, and uh, so he turns human again, ew. and it's like, oh my god, like, I don't, you know how I feel about humans loving monsters. The monsters should get to stay monsters. Right. That's the, that's the whole point. I still can't get over it. Penelope was beautiful with her pig nose. Um, but, uh, but so that alone is enough to make me a little bit pissed off where I'm like, oh, like you could have, you could have made something more interesting sure. if you just allowed him to remain a monster. Um, but it just, for, for a teen kind of YA, it's based on a YA novel. It, that, yeah. So have you seen Night of the Living Dead? Before? Um, no, I hadn't. The gotcha. reason I chose Night of the Living Dead was because it wasn't, I, I hadn't seen it before and it had a forced proximity set up, right? Which mm. for me is catnip. And what better forced proximity than it's the zombie apocalypse. We need to stay together to stay alive. It's, you know, right. it's the perfect external conflict to keep your two leads together. Yeah, it's like the they... speed of zombie movies. Exactly, exactly. Except uh, I think Deb is Keanu Reeves in this instance more. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> she, she does more of the ass kicking. They could have shown a little bit more of that, but... Uh, and then I also really like uh, Maria Thayer, the woman who plays Deb. Mm-hmm. She, I think she's a really good comedian who hasn't, you know, gotten to do a lot of lead roles. So I was like, oh, I, Maria Thayer, because she, you know, if you ever saw Forgetting Sarah Marshall, she was in the movie briefly as like a funny supporting character. She's done a bunch of TV her. shows. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yeah. Jean Monroe, yeah. fiance <laughs> to the vulture. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She's she's done a lot of things where she she's. I think she's a really good like funny bit actor. I agree. She's got potential as a lead. Yeah. For sure. So I I was like you know I I like this actor. I want to see what she's done. And then mm. the other actor, I the other lead I'd seen in some shows too. So I was gotcha. like. I was curious it's like all right let's see let's see how this goes i'm i'm interested in the premise i think we've talked about this before where i'm not always you know going to be picking a movie based on the one where i think this is the highest quality movie of this genre oh, yeah. i feel like i i don't know i like to experiment and just see new things that i haven't seen before and even mm-hmm. if not all of it works I'm still interested. Cough, in martyrs, cough. <laughs> right, right. But even if not all of it works, I'm still like interested in people's ideas. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm not afraid to, to see a movie that's, you know, not like, oh man, this movie was the best rom-zom-com I've ever seen. I think that the, uh, the subgenre has a ways to go. Um, but I don't know. I thought that it had some good ideas. What did you think? you're shaking your head you can't even say that you think it was bad well let me just preface this by saying uh i i mean i don't want to make fun of the movie because i realize it's hard to make a movie and that people put their heart and soul into this movie this movie definitely seems like a passion project oh totally uh i know it was a kickstarter someone's a friend of ray wise yeah Um, but, and I made a short film that I submitted to a bunch of festivals and I got zero traction on it. So maybe most of my, my not liking of this movie is just hidden jealousy and resentment for like, how come my movie didn't get liked? Uh, but you're not friends with Ray Wise. That's true. If I could have put Ray Wise in my movie, I would have. Um, <laughs> I think we would all find a way to put Ray Wise in our movies. But yeah, this movie wasn't for me. This movie felt like, one, it felt pretty flat. It felt like a TV movie in the sense that like comparing it to, I think I've said this before, but comedy is a really hard genre to make cinematic Yes. And I think Edgar Wright is one of the best cinematic comedy directors ever. So it's like, that's why it was so hard to watch this movie and just like how flat it was comparing it to Shaun of the Dead and how vibrant and. It doesn't seem fair because. I know. It's very not fair. It's very not fair. So I'm very upfront about the fact that it's not fair to this movie that I compare it. But. It felt like the funny guy at work trying stand-up. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between being the funny guy at work and being a stand-up comedian. Right. They I, don't always go together. I They definitely don't because being a stand-up comedian requires work and requires workshopping your material over and over and over again. Like, I think they could have spent more time developing the movie and it could have become something interesting. Um, But before we get further, why don't we go ahead with a summary? Oh, yes. Let's do that. So, Night of the Living Deb takes place on July 3rd. Deb Clarington fawns over stranger Ryan Waverly. 
Deb's friend Ruby convinces her to go talk to him, she does, inadvertently stealing his drink, just as he is breaking up with his fiancée, Stacy. As Stacy is yelling at Ryan for not wanting to take over his father's business, Ryan tries to change the subject by talking with Deb instead. Cut to Ryan's bedroom the next morning. Deb is hungover and out of place. As she reorients herself, she eavesdrops in on Ryan, who is clearly unsure what to do about getting his one-night stand out of his house. Deb continues to awkward it up as they finally split ways. However, it doesn't take long for them to discover they are stuck in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. After failing to find out more information in Ryan's apartment, they decide to drive out to Ryan's dad's place to save his family. But first, some snacks for the road. Oh no, uh, Ryan's fridge only has healthy food. So they go upstairs to his neighbor's place and think she's dead. But she's not. She attacks them and they fight her off with some help from some lamp wires and a clapper. On the way to Ryan's dad's place, Deb makes an unannounced stop to a Christmas-themed store to check up on her friend Ruby, who they discover has been zombified. Instead of killing her, they manage to trap her in the trunk. At the gates to Ryan's dad's place. I wrote Ryan's dad's place like eight times in this synopsis. <laughs> Ryan's, dad. Ryan's dad's place. They the mansion. <laughs> yeah, the mansion. They struggle to get past the gate code. Luckily, Chaz, Ryan's brother, shoots the zombies chasing after them and helps them out. Once inside, they meet up with Stacy, who is still in love with Ryan, and Deb meets Ryan's dad, Frank, who Ray is Wise. Ray Wise, who is in charge of the water supply in town and is sort of in on the zombie conspiracy. But Frank is more concerned with his brownies. He drugs Deb's brownie, but she secretly passes it off to the groundskeeper. That night, Stacy mockingly fakes loud sex noises, making fun of Ryan for choosing Deb over her, and Deb gets grossed out and leaves in the middle of the night. She gets to the edge of town where she runs into a checkpoint where she is tested for zombie virus, then cleared and given the go-ahead to turn back around and go into town, which they have told the rest of the world has a radiation leak. Deb stalls until Ryan and Frank and a bitten Chaz show up, to get a helicopter out of town thanks to Frank's friend, the governor. But, betrayal. The governor pins the whole thing on Frank. Ryan convinces the private military group to check Deb's car for a hidden camera, and Zombie Ruby jumps out and bites the governor and creates enough chaos for Frank to get bit, who buys Ryan and Deb enough time to get away. Deb takes Ryan to the local news station where they broadcast their story via satellite to the whole world, some of whom think it's all a hoax. During the broadcast, Deb is bit, and she and Ryan escape to the roof where they are trapped. Deb confesses her hunger and desire to eat Ryan's insides. He offers her the flesh on his arm because she makes him laugh. Just as she's about to give in to her zombie desires, medics show up and give her a bandage and explain the virus can't be spread by bite. Frank and Chaz show up in handcuffs and watch as Deb and Ryan kiss with explosion-y fireworks in the background. And well, they were, the they were blowing up zombies, actually. Right. Yeah, they're, they're getting rid of the town. They're just, eh, easier to blow it up. Raising the town. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I, 
I definitely agree with you that it felt like a TV movie at points, but I actually did like the scene. There were parts of the first act I liked. Like, I felt like it just could have been more developed or they could have leaned into the camp factor or the the clapper kill more. Like, I thought Mm -hmm. that the old lady like they go up to the old lady's apartment they think she's dead deb for some weird reason thinks that you open the eyes of a dead person (laughs) instead of closing them and they're opening and closing her eyes before she awakens as a zombie and, and goes after them and i i don't know about you i thought that bit was funny uh I don't know. It just didn't do <laughs> it, it did for me. did not do it for she you She reminded me a lot of uh, Ellie Kemper in that show. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes, which I also wasn't really a huge fan of. Yeah, so, I think it sounds too whimsical for you. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> just a little too whimsical. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she definitely dressed like Kimmy Schmidt. Like... Again, I think that they they just they just could have done so much more to develop the characters in a way that made sense instead of just like oh we're gonna give her jelly sandals and mismatched clothes and a high ponytail and that's going to um, you know visually show us her character her quirkiness but it's really it's not enough I think. Um, the the whole there's there's zero characterization throughout the entire movie i feel it's all just jokes but they're not it's not like airplane it's not a spoof where it's like a million jokes a minute it wants to kind of be a spoof it wants to be that kind of it didn't lean into it enough like right. another scene like again like i was so you didn't think that the clapper kill worked but if they'd leaned into that idea, they could have had other kills that were similar. Like instead of having Ruby along for the ride, having an extended scene in the Christmas store where they have to use Christmas tools to kill her, you know, like that kind of stuff could have been fun. Or uh, I did like the scene where she was running over zombies. It just felt, I don't, it felt weird that she all of a sudden became this like, murderer this zombie avenging angel kind of brett (laughs) if zombie movies should teach you anything it's that in a zombie apocalypse women get hard and men get soft all the men in this movie want to want to help people and all the women are like I'm going to leave you behind if you slow me down. Or in Deb's case, I've got a bullet with two, or I've got a gun with two bullets for you to shoot me if I become a zombie. Um, But like all the women go hard and all the men are like, oh, we have to still help people. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. (laughs) Or at least the Uh. hero, the, the male heroes of a zombie movie are kind of beta heroes. Yeah. And I don't say well, that in a bad way. I definitely don't say that in a bad way. I mean, 28 days later, he definitely he definitely turns... Yeah, no, he's a third act alpha. Yeah. That's not the same thing. Like, <laughs> no, it, not, not at all. It's not at all. Like, like, right. I, and to be fair, like to the beta hero, 
like alpha hero is the hero type that everybody knows from a rom-com he's the billionaire he's got all the ladies a typical matthew mcconaughey plays the alpha hole as it's some called sometimes called <laughs> super well and then the beta hero you don't see as often but i definitely think that there is a market for the nice guy hero sure. um like I don't know. Tom Hanks kind of manages to be right down the middle. Like he's not, you can't really call him either. Um, but like Justin Long, yeah. beta hero type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who, oh, um, Hugh Grant perfected okay. the beta hero type. Gotcha. So like there, it's, it's definitely out there and it works. But yeah, I think again, like they didn't, lean into the spoofiness enough like if you don't have the budget for good zombie makeup and effects which clearly they didn't you just lean into the funny kills sure i mean to be fair to this movie and in contrast to Shaun of the dead like there's a definite difference in budget you know oh yeah (laughs) like Shaun of the dead definitely had a bit more of a budget to work with but i think if you also have like a great cinematography eye it can change things a little so like the kills in that movie definitely leaned into the spoofiness you know better like i think with the roommate in Shaun of the dead that's like the better version of the scene with the grandma for example okay Yeah, yeah, yeah like you know tight close quarters one zombie you're not sure if they've turned or not and then you have to deal with it and it's right. you know it's two on one like that's a that's a good opener in a zombie movie yeah let me ask you a question okay why is deb so obsessed with ryan did i miss did, did my movie not have like a did i miss the first 10 minutes of this movie <laughs> I don't think that, again, like, I don't think they shaded it in very well. I think that it mainly amounts to the fact that he's cute, first of all. She's into him because he's attractive, although he's not a manly attractive, as he right. as, as much as he thinks. Yeah. As much as he <laughs> thinks. Um, and then I think after they spend all night talking, like, we didn't really get to see the substance of what made them like each other. But they don't. Well, at first they don't. And at first she definitely doesn't like him because she knows that he's jilting her. Like, again, like there's so many ways a scene like that can be fun. But also they don't like, yeah, like he's into healthy food and she's into junk food, I guess, you know, like it. She's like she's making fun of him for the as they hang out, but she's also fawning over him. So I di- I just didn't get. She reminded me of um, the meme, the the crazy ex girlfriend or obsessed oh, the girlfriend. One with the crazy eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's a little bit that. I think there's definitely this idea that that she has that he's somehow out of her league, even though that's clearly not the case. Sure. Um, no, I think that the turn is meant to happen. Like, so she's attracted to them. 
they have sort of shared crisis experience going through these zombies and then we get to the house and ideally if in the first act of this movie they'd realistically started to build their alliance like after she goes on those zombies alone and he joins her but he's still kind of reluctantly with her and then they go through enough another a few more bonding experiences ideally by the time you get to the house now in the story if you're tracking the relationship story would be the point where the relationship is now tested the ex-fiance has re-entered and and you have to create the conflict in which now your leads must separate you know like the big misunderstanding like 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 there's there's a better way to do this. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I think that having... The mechanics are there. They Correct. just weren't employed in the right way. So like if you're... If I'm going school teacher romance mode, you get to the great conflict, right? Deb has to leave. And the moment that we're supposed to believe that the love is mutual between them is when we get to the military camp and he's there with dad and he decides to save them. Mm-hmm. And then now we're back on the relationship train story. Right. Um, so if it's working, then that's the point where we're like, all right, these characters are back on on the train. And then when we get to the denouement where she's doing the broadcast and he's filming it, we're meant to feel like uh, now the characters are truly in love with each other. And she's, you know, giving her, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy style broadcast, which is, I did not like that it doubled as a zombie prod- broadcast and love confession at the same time. Why? I, I, that didn't, <laughs> that actually really annoyed me. I, I think that they should have just stuck to the zombie broadcast and made that a thing and then made I, her love confession something that she told him while they were on the roof. It would have been funny now that I'm now that we're thinking about it. It would have been funny if instead of because I thought it was a really weird turn that the whole movie is like a giant cartoon. It's like it's like a giant short. And I hate flashbacks. I hate that the movie had a flashback. I despise flashbacks. When did it have a flashback? Um, when they show that the bites don't cause you to turn into a zombie and they flash back to Ray Wise getting rescued. Oh, yeah. They didn't need to show right, that right, right, right. at all. Yeah, the moment the moment the, the Ryan goes, the, the moment Ryan says something about biting mm-hmm. and not seeing a zombie bite someone yet, I, I knew that that was going to be... Right, they didn't the need joke. to. They didn't but, make, need to make it so clear. But yeah, I agree. We get it. You know, we get it. Right. I don't know if you saw Joker, but Joker has a moment like that. I don't want to ruin it for anyone who's seen Joker, even though I hated that movie. <laughs> but there's a moment in Joker where you learn something that's kind of twisty, and then they go back and show it to you three times to really just. Pound yeah, you over I, the head with it. I, I really don't like it when a movie does that. But, but it, so the whole movie feels like short form comedy instead of yes, long form yes. comedy. It feels like we got to get those jokes in there. Every scene has to have a joke, and the characters made no like when she's driving around and people are eating each other on the streets. She's just like, that's weird, huh? And it, right, it wasn't like, as convincing as the airplane scene in uh, uh, what is it, Night and Day, where she doesn't realize everyone's dead. Oh yeah, that was so funny. Um, <laughs> but so I don't mind that this is a cartoon world. 
I, li- I like cartoon worlds. Yeah, I can get with the premise. But like then that. the end of the movie where they're all talking about whether or not it's a hoax or not felt weirdly like they're now taking it seriously. And I didn't, that didn't sit well with me. It would have been funny if to bring in the rom-com element, if all of a sudden everyone in the world is more concerned about whether or not she's going to hook up with Ryan. If everyone was like, ooh, will they, won't they? Like they didn't get the real message, which is that they were in trouble. Yeah, they're more concerned with the Bachelor-esque reality TV element of will they, won't they, instead of, oh, wait, this entire town has been destroyed. Zombified. (laughs) (laughs) That would actually be hilarious. Like, if the rest of the United States knew that... I do find it funny that it's in Maine, which is, like, to me, just Stephen King land. Sure. Um, So, I mean, I'm sure that Maine is quaint and beautiful, but as far as I'm concerned, it's spooky as fuck. Um, But, yeah, quarantine, build the wall uh, at the border of Maine... And then the rest of the United States is just watching reality style to right. see what happens to the quarantined individuals. Yeah, it, that would have been interesting. That would have been funny. Yeah, no, I didn't it just it, like there was opportunities to do stuff that they didn't. And like, you know, Ray Wise could have been utilized in such a more interesting way. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, they could have done. I mean, maybe they only had him for like one day. Sure. Um, <laughs> so they couldn't. They couldn't really do as as much with him. Yeah, I don't know. I just the whole movie just it felt it felt very light to me, and it it didn't do it for me. I don't think that light has to be a bad thing. No. But it's, again, in the same way that everything felt too forced in terms of the comedy. It felt it felt like they were just really trying to make every scene and every character funny. And you don't need to make every scene and every character and every line funny. If you don't have any meat in there, then you don't—if you don't have any substance, then you don't— Right. Well, I mean, I think— You know? Then you got to lean into it even more. Like, Airplane— is one of the greats. Well, I think also it's not just about like having constant like jokes and lines. Like part of what makes some comedy work is there have to be people who are serious, even if they're doing funny things. Right. And nobody, nobody was really serious right. in this movie. So I think you could have had, you know, a straight man character playing off the more zany characters that were meant to be off the wall. But it's similar to Leap Year, where, like, there are good base ideas. Like, I definitely think that um, forced proximity and, and zombies as a device to get there is, is still totally viable, um, but they, they just could have leaned into things more than they did. Or, um, I mean, I feel like maybe they were just trying to do too many things. Like if they allowed themselves to just lean into the zany cartooniness, right. then it wouldn't have had that weird dissonance, I guess. No, I completely agree. Um, I'm curious as we kind of get into remake territory and we start to discuss 
who from this movie we want to kill. Oh, so should we remix <laughs> first or kill first? No, I, I'm interested to kill first. Okay, because, let's kill first. Because my discussion of the, the killing will tie into the movie as a whole, which is I'm curious to go back and listen to all the episodes we've done so far. And some of the movies like Leap Year, eh, Leap Year didn't really leave me with any kind of real impression. But movies like Amelie that I actively disliked, I'm wondering if there's a correlation between movies that I actively dislike that are rom-coms and main characters that I would kill. Because I would kill her. Oh, you want to kill you want to kill Deb. I want to kill Deb. I I hated Deb. <laughs> I I thought she was cute. I thought she was quirky and I you Poor know Maria Fair. <laughs> but the whole character, just the fact that she was so obsessed with this guy when they clearly weren't compatible and i get that the movie wants to make them compatible yeah, and I'm, I'm for the journey but like she's making fun of him but then she's fawning over him i i just that her character i didn't get any grasp of her character like she didn't seem nerdy but she, she was like dropping a bunch of nerd references and I think she is meant to be nerdy, but also she's kind of, you know what heroin type she is? She's like, um, like Geet, where like she's chatty, sure. she's bubbly, she's, she's the sunshiny one and he's the grumpy one. But I mean, I, he's not that grumpy. Right, he's not that grumpy. I mean, he, I, I can always take him grumpier, yeah. way grumpier. <laughs> I agree. Uh, who would you kill? Love a grump. Um, who would I kill? Um, I think I might kill the brother Chaz because his character was so dumb. Or no, actually not Chaz. He, I think I've seen an actor in different things and he's all right. I would kill the ex-fiance. Yeah, I could see that. And it's not because I'm like, I'm a jealous female she's hot. I, this is a really petty reason, but... They could have, you know how I feel about Bellamy's. I think that the second lead is really important to establishing um, why the main character needs to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you just, you need that. And if you're not going to give us two Bellamy's, one for her and one for him, then the one Bellamy has to be really fucking good. And we've seen some great Bellamy's. And her character was just written poorly, and her eye makeup was terrible. I didn't notice the eye makeup. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think you would. Um, yeah, I didn't really like her, too. I like Chaz just in the sense that he reminded me of Just Friends, because he's in Just Friends, which is my favorite oh, that's rom-com. that's right. And he's literally the same character in he's, Just Friends. He's an evolution he's young, of... Well, he's also the younger brother in this, too, I think. I think he's the older. Because oh, oh. I remember when Deb says, you're the older brother, I was thinking, he seems more like a younger brother. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. His character was kind of weird i think he was a little bit miscast in that yeah in that role he seemed he's done good work before though but he's yeah i agree just friends yeah he's in barry barry is amazing that oh yeah amazing. i need to check that out great show uh did you want to go first for your remake or sure go for it so doing a horror remix of a movie that already has zombies in it is a unique challenge and 
In fact, I decided to take the zombies out to do a different kind of horror movie since we already we've already seen Deb do zombie apocalypse. Bold move, Cotton. Let's <laughs> see if it pays off. All right. So the name of this movie is just Deb. Okay. You know, I yeah, think we've yeah, had yeah. some good runs on on horror movies that are just women's names. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the prologue, we see Deb, she, she looks like she's on TV, like an anchor, and she's talking about how she got to this moment, this peak success, and then we flash back to act one. And here we've got Deb, she's a camera woman for a local news station in Portland, Maine, with a secret ambition to one day be in front of the camera. Um, one night she's having a drink with her friend Ruby at her Christmas store, but then Ruby suddenly has a heart attack and dies. Uh, but Holy Deb, smokes. <laughs> Deb has a really weird reaction to this moment. She cuts off a sliver of Ruby's flesh and she eats it. Wow. But Hannibal Deb. <laughs> yeah, Han- Hannibal Deb. Exactly. And m- much like Hannibal, there's a sweet relief from eating human flesh that can't be replicated elsewhere. Uh, so she eats that tiny piece of flesh and it changes something in her where she was kind of meek and took a lot of shit before. Like, similar to Drag Me to Hell, we can see her, you know, petty work abuses and every time she's put down. She starts to get like ruthless now. So she starts doing really fucked up things at work, like sprinkling ground glass into the lead anchor's water to injure him. Whoa. Uh, she also steals a producer's research on a water treatment scandal. Gotcha. So she begins investigating the scandal by herself, but then she also becomes obsessed with the Waverly family, who are the owners of the water treatment plant. And then in particular, she's obsessed with Ryan. Right, because uh, they they probably eat really healthy, so they must be, they must taste a little better. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll see if, if her taste for flesh continues. Sure. Uh, spoiler alert, it does. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, it, this is a different, this is more of a, like, moody horror movie, like um, uh, the kind they make in Europe. so we get into uh the the middle act and she's continuing to sabotage her her co-workers as she insinuates herself in the waverly family and with ryan she just does all these despicable things i haven't decided yet like killing the family dog and framing ryan's fiance yeah she pulls a marky mark in fear i like the idea of the the anchor drinking the glass and then coughing up blood and then like (laughs) the 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 little the little uh ribbon at the end of the scene is her dipping a finger in the blood and licking it like ooh, Ooh, i like that (laughs) that detail i i if if i fleshed it out (laughs) no pun intended uh i would definitely add that in so yeah she's taking little nibbles here and there sure um uh, so she she frames the fiance. The ousted fiance starts doing her own investigating to figure out what the deal is with this bitch. Uh, and then Deb gets closer with Ryan. Things seem to be going really well. But then when Ryan and Deb are about to have sex, she bites off a piece of his earlobe and swallows it. Oh, shit. In front of him. Yeah, like really sexy, like 
foreplay nibbling that turns yeah, it's like violent her, real she's quick. She's got like the blood all over right, her mouth and right. she's she's looking to be accepted and she's like, you see me. But Ryan's like, uh, no, I don't. He's horrified and he makes her leave. And then on top of that, the ousted fiance reveals to Ryan's father that Deb works for the news. So the Waverly's, they cut off contact yeah. uh, and then add to the injuries. Deb is fired from the station because security footage for surfaces of her sabotage. Yeah. And she's going to be hearing from their lawyers, no doubt about it. Um, so now we're getting into the third act. Deb is just, you know, she, she can't fall any further at this point, um, which is exactly climax mode time. So Deb in a rage, she breaks into the morgue and she eats another piece of meat off a dead body and she immediately starts to feel better. She's got a taste now. And a mortician catches her, but then Deb murders the mortician. And the next day, she goes to Ryan's apartment, and she kidnaps him at gunpoint. And then she makes him drive them to the station, where they pass by the morning meeting room, and Ryan just sees all the bodies of her coworkers. Oh. She just went postal in there. I mean, I guess you could show her going postal, but it's. I think it would be satisfying to see from Ryan's point of view. Right. You're a video game person, right? Yes. Have you ever played Metal Gear Solid? Um, no, but I know I know about right. it. There's a scene where Snake goes into a hallway and there's dead bodies everywhere, and then you walk around the corner and, and it's there's the boss. The, there's uh, well, no. Okay, if you want to talk about Metal Gear Solid, you're gonna go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> okay, we can't. We can't. Uh, we but it's time. the invisible ninja, and it's a really cool introduction to his character. That is that is really cool. But there's a character called the boss, so that's why. Oh, it gets, oh, oh. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> so Deb makes Ryan go into the studio and behind the camera. Uh, and she keeps her gun on him as she demands that he film her on air debut. She's not letting anyone get in the way of her dreams anymore. This woman eats human flesh. She can do anything. Um, so then we, we've now gotten back to the beginning of the movie, the prologue, right. but we have more information. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> so Deb begins to tell her version of events leading up to this moment and the broadcast pans out. So you can see that she has a gun. Whereas right. like in the beginning you thought like, oh, this is great. She's an on-air anchor. Her dream was, it happened. But no, it didn't. Deb is crazy. And then eventually the police close in. They take Deb away. But it's kind of like, um, I mean, this movie's old, so it's not really a spoiler. But the end of Psycho, where, like, you know, he's in custody, but he's still the mother. And he's kind of yeah. smiling to himself, like, I did it. Right. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, uh, I was very worried when you said you took the zombies out but i like that you kept in the spirit of the flesh-eating cannibalism aspect oh absolutely and made it more like a descent into madness absolutely i mean you got to keep the flesh-eating element right right uh i did i went a completely different way <laughs> okay let's see it i bugs bunnied the shit out of this which is to say i took a left at albuquerque <laughs> um <laughs> I thought of two titles for my movie. The goofy title is X Hex. X Hex, okay. Uh, which I think there's a band called Hex X, which I've seen because Sonia likes them, but I don't know. Uh, but the real title of the movie is going to be called Kiss of the Serpent. Okay. Ooh, and uh, the uh, so 
talk about spoiler alert spoiler alert the one of the main plot points of this movie is they have to find a rainbow snake and so it's a callback to Wes Craven's zombie movie, The Serpent Ooh. and the Rainbow, if you've ever seen that one. I have not, but I enjoy Wes Craven. It's a very scary, uh, well, it's not scary, scary, but it's uh, it's more of a traditional Haitian voodoo zombie flick. Oh, right. Um, and that's the direction I went with it. So Deb and Ryan are both in a relationship, but separately. So uh, I just made it to keep things easy and based on this movie deb is dating chaz and ryan is dating stacy but chaz and ryan are not related in my movie they're just strangers so uh deb and ryan discover that their spouses are cheating and they sort of meet up with each other at a bar and kind of vent to each other like what are we gonna do we have to for love style yeah i don't know i've never seen it is that it's a chinese movie yeah I yeah. should have seen it. It's on my list. Right. Um, so they discover that the spouses are cheating and they're kind of getting drunk at the bar and saying, we got to get revenge on them. Uh, and an old man hears them and tells them about this curse where they can turn them into zombies, right? Like mindless, brainless, wandering people, shells of humans. It's what cheaters deserve. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So they travel to Colombia. And they meet with an elder from the tribe that the old man told them about. And the elder tells them about a special snake, the rainbow snake, that he needs in order to complete the ritual that is the zombie ritual, right? And so they, they, he also, the old man tells them, like, you got to bring, like, a lock of their hair or something. So they bring a lock of their ex's hair. And to complete the ritual, they need the blood of the rainbow snake. So then this is where the movie starts to get into the horror aspect. And um, I recommended the the cartoon Primal as one of my love bites. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it's mostly dialogue-free and sort of this crazy caveman story, jungle, man versus nature, um, super violent, super crazy cartoon by Gendy Tartakovsky. So I kind of want to go that way. Once they get into the jungle, it kind of relies more on the visuals, more on the, the you know, it's, it becomes almost like a silent film where I don't really need dialogue to tell the story. They kind of, in order to get into the madness of the jungle, they kind of get rid of their civilized you know, I like ways. That. I like so, that in a movie. Yeah, so it's the... Tense and taut. Yes, taut, very taut. Um, so they have to steal either, they have two options. Either they can go out and try to find the rainbow snake in the wild, which would take forever, or they can go to a tribe that worships the rainbow snake and steal the snake. Mm-hmm. So they go with option B, and Deb is more on the recon side because she's a reporter. So Ooh. she's investigating the tribe and looking for the best way to sneak in. And Ryan is more of their survival guy because he's more of the, you know, vegan kind of... I guess he can't be vegan because he'll kill animals, but he's more of the survival man. So he's going to help them build a hut and, you know, stuff like that. Um, So they start to hunt down the tribe and they start to hunt down animals and it goes from, like, they're not good at it, so it's really messy. Um, there's There's this... A Japanese movie called Dream House. 
that's got some really messy kills in it because the girl in it who's going around killing people and i love some geyser kills yeah she's really bad at killing people but she really wants to kill people i can't remember why something about like if she kills them she can move into their place because finding a place in japan is hard or something like that I can believe that. Um, and so I just remember, the one thing I remember about that movie is that she's really amateurish about her kills. And as a result, the kills are really painful and brutal and drawn out and messy. And it really does a good job of not glorifying the violence. I like that when killing people is work and it's right. more work than the characters expect. Yeah, um, for sure. And so... Uh, so, you know, they first start to kill them with their fists and strangling them and rocks, but then they start to move up to building spears and slings and kind of like blade claws and they kind of build like armor using plants and stuff like that. And they set traps, you know, Home Alone style, gotta have the Home Alone trap scene. Uh, but then they decide finally it's time to infiltrate the tribe and they sort of dress up all in camouflage and they go in military mission-esque style and they go in and grab the snake and of course things go wrong and they have to escape and stuff like that. They get back to the village, they hand over the snake to the elder, they're going to do the uh, ritual, but then bam, the elder is murdered. Turns out that one of the the tribes that the elder is part of recognizes that the elder is a bad voodoo witch doctor who uses forbidden magic. And so they kill the elder and then they're like, shit, what do we do with these two white people? Right. So they take the white people and they do a sort of ceremonial sacrifice where they bring the snake to the people <gasps> and the snake bites them on the lips. So it's like kiss of the serpent. Uh -huh. And then they set the white people out into the jungle to basically have this snake-serpent psychedelic trip and die in the jungle. Oh, shit. And so I didn't really know how to do it. I just figured I really like jaguars. So I figured mm -hmm. Deb could get mauled by a jaguar. But it's like in this really psychedelic 2001 Space Odyssey trippy way. Oh, uh, yeah. Like and, you could do a few nightmares before she actually gets killed. Right. Um, and then Ryan eats a poison plant and he sort of, you know, starts throwing up and he's like, you know, vomiting his insides out and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And then we cut back to Stacy and Chaz and they're living happily ever after. Good for them. Good for them. So, in my version, the cheaters prosper. Good for them. Well, yeah. I mean, when you go out seeking revenge, you get what you deserve. I know. I really wanted to have my characters sort of, you know, I, sometimes I like a good horror movie where the characters kind of get what's coming to them. I like also that it's almost like an anti-morality right. tale because, like, the characters that posture as being the ones that are morally uprighteous are actually terrible people. And so it makes sense that they ultimately get sacrificed because the original sin that, that motivates them to this path is it, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Correct. So yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I like that character twist. Like they think of themselves as being good, but they're not good. Yeah, I agree. I think that that works. Very nice. Speaking of not good people who think that they're good, let's talk about the, the real monsters of 28 Days Later. Other people. Whoa. So, why did you choose 28 Days Later? 
Um, well, it's my favorite zombie movie. <laughs> Why is this one your favorite? Uh, I guess we'll get into it after you get the uh, description out, uh, the little synopsis. But Okay. Uh, I like how you said... Um, so I like the segue between the real monsters are the people. Oh, okay. okay. I would be, I, it would be a sin if I didn't mention Dawn of the Dead, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, uh-huh. which I think we can all agree is the quintessential zombie movie. Right. Um, but this one is my personal favorite. And um, at the end of Dawn of the Dead, they have to fight off like a group of bikers who are already bad people. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about 28 Days Later, now. <laughs> right? What I really like about 28 Days Later is that the military, the people who are supposed to protect them, are the ones who turn out to be the bad guys. So it's, I mean, it's an obvious twist, but it's it's the more metaphorical aspect of, you know, these these men of authority who are supposed to protect turn out to be rapey guys (laughs) right no i mean and talk about genre matchup it mashup it it goes from zombie apocalypse to dystopia and like one flip right uh we get right into handmade tales (laughs) within two minutes all right and i really like though we're just kind of jumping into the end here but i really like how they have that sort of philosophical conversation where you know, the one guy says, if all humans died, then Earth would return to normal. And then the other guy says, actually, man has been fighting each other forever. So the way I see it, we're already normal. Ooh. Ooh. I thought it was really cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, do, I yeah. do like the philosophical pondering. But I like that it happens in really small doses. Right. Versus, um, I mean, I'm going to throw shade at The Walking Dead. I'm sorry. But... Um, too much talking back and forth talking and dialoguing and not enough fighting zombies i only made it two episodes into that show and a character drops they drop their gun as they're running away and i just said to myself i can't do seven seasons of oops i dropped my gun Well, just, but just like, I I couldn't do it. Like, there has to be a balance between the juicy zombie action and the the waxing poetic, which I think we should get in small doses. But um, there is a lot of meat to this movie, and and they do do a much better job than Deb of explaining the origin of the zombies and in very, very, um, broad strokes so that it, you, you get up to speed really quickly. So, uh, should, I, should I go ahead? Yeah, go um, for it. So our story begins in a laboratory where a chimpanzee is strapped to a table where there are monitors playing violent riot footage. These animal activists, they've broken into the facility. They're taking pictures. Uh, and then one of the scientists catches them, and he's warning them that the chimps are infected, but they're not listening. They let one of the chimps out of the cage. It bites one of the activists, and it they all start attacking each other. Uh, now we fast forward 28 days later. Whoa. <laughs> just a small detail, but I mean, I could totally nerd out on this movie forever. <laughs> well, it, what's the small detail? But just the fact that the title of the movie is the 28 Days Later, but it's just a small little part of the corner. 
It's not yes. like in your face, like 28 days later. It's not like the drag me to hell. Right, where it's right. Like, it's the Bah-bah! total opposite. Drag me to hell. <laughs> uh, I just like that tiny little touch of just eh, 28 days later. Yes, 28 days later. Four weeks later, <laughs> um, we cut to Jim, former bicycle courier, waking up from a coma in an empty hospital. And he's wandering around a seemingly empty London, calling out for others, saying, hello. Um, And he goes into a church and he sees it's filled with dead people. Uh, And then he encounters an infected priest, hits him, which wakes up all the other zombies in the church. Jim is being chased by them. He's saved by two other survivors, Mark and Selena. They're throwing Molotovs, and then the burning zombies run into a gas station and make it explode. Uh, Mark and Selena take Jim to their hideout, and they get him up to speed on the new survival rules in this world. Um, They agree to go with Jim to check on his parents. Jim finds that they committed suicide and left him a note telling him, don't wake up. Oh, such a great detail. I love that. (laughs) I loved it. Uh, they decide to stay there, but it's too late to head back during the daylight. Uh, Jim watches an old home movie, which causes the zombies to come to the house. They attack him and Mark. Uh, Jim doesn't get scratched, but Mark does, and Selena kills him immediately. Oof. Uh, they run away from the zombies, and they make it to an apartment complex where they're rescued by a man in riot gear. Uh, the man, Frank, and his daughter, Hannah, have been hiding out in their apartment, but it is not a sustainable situation as it hasn't rained. Um, Frank reveals a broadcast he found directing the survivors to soldiers north of Manchester. So they head out the next day in a black cab and they run into a tunnel. Jim doesn't think they should go in the tunnel. Everybody else is like, no, this is the most direct route. Uh, The tunnel is blocked by piled up cars. Frank drives over them successfully, but then he gets a flat. uh, And as they're fixing the flat, a swarm of rats comes through the tunnel. Um, It's a sign that the infected are coming and the group barely escapes. By in a way, my favorite scene in the movie. Um, They make their way up the country. um, They, you know, start to get to know each other. Uh, Jim and Selena kind of have a thing. Um, Jim also became, he gets a little more hardened. He kills a kid at the gas station, but he's infected. They get to the blockade, but it appears to be empty. So Frank gets really angry. And as he's sitting down, uh, a drop of an infected person's blood falls in his eye. Um, and just as Jim is about to kill him, the soldiers show up and they kill Frank. Uh, so the survivors go back to the soldier's mansion. The major shows Jim around and he makes these ominous references to rebuilding society. Ooh. And as it turns out, the major had some handmaid's tale ideas. He wanted to lure females to the soldiers to rebuild the population. Uh, Jim then gets taken by the soldiers along with, um, Sergeant Farrell, the guy who's like, well, really, humans haven't been around that long. Yeah. Uh, and Farrell tries to stop them. He's from... the good guy military guy. Yeah, he's the good guy. Um, so, uh, and also he believes Britain is just quarantined. Right. Um, but uh, in 28 weeks later, maybe not the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, two of the soldiers, they take them outside to this mass grave where they're going to 
I mean, quick question. Do you think that mass grave was for all the men who followed the broadcast to the camp and then they would just kill them if they had no women? That's a good question. I think because the grave is inside the walls, I Mm -hmm. think that that's just dead people that they shot. And then, you know, Uh. uh, Christopher Eccleston tells the good guy guy, he says, go clear the bodies from the field. Right. I think it's just their dumping ground. But yeah, so... In, but that's a cool... I didn't even think of that. I, I thought maybe that, that might be what, what they were doing. Right. Um, so one of the soldiers is going to kill Farrell, and then the other soldier stops him, and in the confusion, Jim hides among the bodies, um, and he escapes, and while escaping, this is important, he sees a plane... Um, and then he uses an air raid siren to get the soldiers back to the blockade. And very much like one of the fast zombies in the movie, he, you know, sneaks up on one of the guys, takes his gun, and he goes back to the mansion to rescue Selena and Hannah. Um, he sets loose an infected soldier as a distraction. It spreads to the other soldiers. The th- as the three are leaving the mansion, they run into that major again, Christopher Eccleston. Mm. Uh, he was so good in this movie. Uh, and he shoots Jim before Hannah kills him by reversing into a zombie. They drive through the, the they drive up to the gates, but they're locked. And then Hannah rams through and we cut to... 28 days later. Oh, yeah, days later. (laughs) Was it 28 days or 28 weeks? No, it was days. Yeah. So another 28 days later, similar to the first scene, Jim wakes up. It's daylight. He's alive. The three have been living in this remote cottage where they've been creating a hello sign. La, la, la. (laughs) La, la, la for for the planes passing overhead. And they've basically just finished the O when it flies over them, cut to black. So we don't know if they get rescued, but it's pretty safe to assume that they're going to get rescued. Right. Did you know that pretty much the entire third act of this movie was like they had an alternate version? Yeah. So what do you like? Let's 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 just let's uh, summarize that really quick and we can compare them. But so in the alternate ending, if I recall correctly, and you're the super fan, you might know more Um, when uh, Brendan Gleeson, when Frank gets infected, um, Jim offers to do a full blood transfusion. Right. And in order to cure the rage that's what they have to do. They have to take all of the blood out of Brendan Gleeson's body and then transfuse um, Jim's body in. And uh, Selena, being the medical professional, is like able to do it or whatever. Um, and then they succeed, I think. And it's like a bummer ending where right. Jim's on the table. He's filled with the rage. Uh, and Brendan Gleeson is okay. Is that correct? Yeah, I that's definitely correct. I remember on the DVD special features, they show some storyboards or concept right, art right. for that. Um, but it's weird because uh, the the third act of this movie is like an hour long. Right, <laughs> It's right. like the second half of the movie is the military. And I don't know how that wasn't a huge part of the script to start with because it's such a huge part of the final product 
So it's just weird to, to think of the evolution of the movie and to, to see how they changed it and stuff like that. Right. Like, I wonder if, were they just, when they, when Danny, I don't know if Danny Boyle wrote the script too. Alex Garland wrote the script. Oh. And I'm a huge Alex Garland fan. What other movies has he written? He wrote Ex Machina. Oh. He wrote Dread, which I don't think you've seen Dread, right? But I am a Oof. fan of the uh, of the actor, in right? Dread. Carl Urban. I love sure. Carl Urban. Yeah, and he—I mean, he did The Beach, which I wasn't a big fan of. The movie is—is that the Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's a really cool, interesting writer. He did Annihilation, which was an interesting movie. Mm. Um, so yeah, oh, that's the movie that's based on the book, right? Right. Um, I so I wonder if Alex Garland got to the end of that version of the script, where I guess they go to the blockade and there truly is no one coming to help. Right. No one's there, and then this you know transfusion. It's just so bleak. Right. Like it's the bummer ending to end all bummer endings. Yeah, I I really like ultra nihilistic movies that end on a sort of glimmer of hope right and so like he doesn't need to show us that they're getting rescued just that right that's a plane like it might not be that day or that week sure someone's coming yeah um yeah so i just uh, you know this movie could have had the bummer ending and in fact if you watch to the end of the credits, they do show an alternate cut where Selena and Hannah take the guy. What's his name again? Jim. Jim. They take Jim to the hospital, and instead of saving him, he just dies, and they leave him there. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So it's... I mean, I like that they just tag it on at the end to say, we could have bummed you out, but we chose not to. Um, I, I like that it has a happy ending, you know, even though I made my, um, my horror version of Deb a total downer of an ending right. and I like 20 and I like drag me to hell, which is an ultra downer of an ending. I like that I, 28 days later deserves a good ending. It deserves an upbeat, optimistic hope on humanity. Right. I mean, after watching all those fast zombies, you just feel so tired. Like yeah. I, I, I sympathized with his, um, with his tiredness in the stairwell. Right. And he really thought that she was just gonna leave him. Well, she was. She gonna, was. She was totally gonna leave him behind yeah. before they they met Frank. I think um, you could argue that Selena is more of the main character than Jim. Maybe. Really? Yeah, she she makes the most change. No, it's, she has the bigger journey. Oh, but Jim changes. Well, we talked we talked before we teased that he's a beta hero right. through the entire movie, but then in that third act, he kind of takes on right. some of the demonic energy of the zombies and sure. is like the way that they shot him, particularly in the scene in the blockade where it's raining and he's stalking people, oh, felt yeah. very zombie-like. The way that they shot him, and then yeah, um, my favorite they, shot of the movie is the shot of him shirtless, bloodied, and the heavy raindrop. Like the raindrops look super thick in the movie, yes. and he's twirling that chain, running I, up to the guy. It's just like, like a quick two-second shot, but that's oof. It feels so visceral. This whole movie is just full of energy and, and 
it's so visceral. But it's it's like it's energy that's concentrated. Like right. it's not the energy of a hummingbird where it's like constantly Constant, fluttering. Right, right, right. Where it's it's more like it's like quick bursts of energy yeah. that are shocking. Like in the scene where he gets snuck up on by the zombie boy, um, it's completely silent when mm-hmm. the zombie boy is coming up to him from behind. And then suddenly yeah. it's an explosion of sound once they finally, you know, make contact. So it's very, it's very precise um, yeah. the way they deploy the action. I will say I can understand if people don't like this movie. Because the pacing does feel, I don't want to say awkward, but it does feel non-conventional. Let me say it that way. It it definitely feels like the difference between the lulls where they take time to look at horses and, you know, go shopping and stuff like that. It feels, it's, it, it's so different than the moments where it feels so visceral and so rage filled and bloody and gory well there has to be moments of relief right and and those relief moments prepare you but like dead didn't have that dead didn't have the moments of relief it just it it didn't feel horror gory slasher flick but it felt you know jokey 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 it didn't have the moments of relief Right, and it certainly, when it tried to earn them kind of towards the yeah. end with her little denouement on air, it didn't really earn that moment. Right. Um, the way, like, the kind of, the little human moments in uh, 28 Days Later. Yeah. Like when Jim steps out of the shadows after, first of all, this movie's got probably the best eye gouging of any movie I've ever seen. Oh, that was, that was, a, that was some nice eye gouging. And, and like, I feel like... They play on Killian Murphy's uh, <laughs> physical energy in this movie really well because he's not like you know an action movie star who's really built like he's very like trim and long libid, yeah, he's a bit and gangly, gangly. Yeah. But the way that they shot him still made him look menacing and powerful. Yeah. Even when he's not, like, I think he's meant to not look physically stronger than the soldiers. Like, you may have noticed when they get to the base and they give him clothes, like, they purposefully costume him in soldier uniforms that are too big. Hmm. Like, the shirt's too big for him and the pants are too big. But then, like, when he takes the shirt off and goes full zombie... It's like the energy has changed and now he's a force. Yeah, when he sheds the shirt on the barbed wire, you can definitely feel it. Um, Yeah. But when he steps out of the shadow and she goes to cut him with the machete but stops. She did. But she didn't stop for Mark. Right. Like that's that's a big character evolution. That's a big character change. And I can see some people probably think it's a little sappy. I think you could probably argue. I liked it. I think you could probably argue that it would be more realistic for him to call out to her before he steps up to her. Or you could argue that he's testing her and sort of showing her like, ooh, you do like me. Um, And like you are a person after all. Because I think she kind of, once she has a moment to breathe in the... the, um, in the mansion she kind of breaks down a little bit mm. so it's kind of like her hardness has caught up to her and she finally gets to show some of her vulnerability you know he gets to test her but you know the fact that he says like oh a bit longer than a heartbeat like ah, 
I like the I like I it, it, but I think you could argue like I could see someone groaning at that, you know. Danny yeah. Boyle is a romantic, and <laughs> I'm I'm here for it. I sure. I think we could have easily done a Danny Boyle director specific one because he's done multiple romantic comedies. What is he? Um, Slumdog Millionaire? Is that a rom-com? Not really, right? Not There's really. There's not a romance element. Um, he did a... Um, he did one with Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz, which I can't remember the name of right now, but um, some kind of wonderful. Uh, there's that, and then also that new movie he did, the, the movie where it's What If Beatles Didn't Exist. He did that one? He did Yesterday? Yeah, I think... Um, if I recall correctly, I think Yesterday is a Danny Boyle movie. Oh, wow. I... And that that's kind of yeah. a rom-com. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, he, he has a romantic sensibility, and I think that he did a pretty good job of painting Jim and Selena's relationship in broad strokes to where mm-hmm. I believed that at the end of this experience that these two characters would be into each other. Right, yeah, And yeah, it just, yeah. you know, makes sense. And this movie is infinitely more cinematic than Night of the Living Dead. This movie is just full of cinematic touches, like how he cuts from wides to close-ups. But he doesn't really, like, it doesn't remind me. There's a lot of steady cam, but it doesn't feel clumsy. Yeah, there's a lot of shakiness, but it fits the tone of the movie, and it's never really confusing. Um and there's a lot of Dutch angle in this movie. <laughs> there's there, a lot of a lot Dutch of, angle. A lot of skewing. But I like how a lot of the shots are set up in a non-conventional way. A lot of the action takes place off on the side or corner. Oh, yeah. like You uh, know, it's very offsetting and very, you know, off-putting in that way. You know where I noticed that when you said that is when Selena kills Mark mm-hmm. and it's kind of shifted off to the side and she's just, you know, hacking away. really hacking at Oof. him and he's screaming too. That that was a really horrifying. That was another people are the real monsters right. moment. <laughs> uh, and then when she gets up, it is kind of like uh, her. she's got like this diagonally slanted silhouette to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that that was great. I. I feel like this movie inspired a lot of zombie movies after it. And I think particularly the grocery store scene, mm-hmm. I feel like has to be a big inspiration on movies like Zombieland, where it's a zombie comedy where people are playing in the post-apocalyptic environment, like right. playing with the idea that because we're in a zombie apocalypse, I can go into a grocery store and act like an idiot or buy, get all the whiskey I want, or we can go into this gift shop and knock everything over like they do in zombie land. Like this movie showed that it's like, Oh, we can play during a zombie apocalypse too. Yeah. And the key to a good horror movie is to have those comedic elements so that you are so that you like the characters and you don't want them to die. Of course not. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like I could go on and on about specific shots in the movie. Like there's another one where when they're driving over the cars in the tunnel, mm-hmm. there's one shot that's just like a second long, but it's from the inside of a car looking up at the, at the main car as it's driving over. And it's just like, who, I would have never thought that's where the camera needs to go in the scene. There's so many moments where I just think, 
that's, I would never have thought that's the way to show that, you know, like just showing like establishing shots from the inside of a building with the church and the cross. He opens the doors to reveal the cross. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. I I did like how they, it's from behind the cross. Right. And you see, it's like a a far shot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And you see him come in. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And and the reveal, uh, I think some of like, just like the set choices were really cool. Like the end is extremely fucking nigh (laughs) on the wall of the shirt of the church or the don't wake up. Yeah. You know, there's, there's little touches here and there that I think are really, really good. Yeah. I like the metaphorical English literature class aspect of the first place Jim goes to is church to like seek you know comfort and answers from god and god is not there oh <laughs> a bunch of zombies are uh, there God's yeah there. god I, god ain't gonna save you in the zombie apocalypse you know that remind that reminds me of another thing that i really liked um from the very beginning of the movie is before he's realized what is really going on here he sees all this money lying around yeah and so he starts taking the yeah. money not realizing that money no longer matters right. dude you're living in a post money world yeah uh when the coronavirus really hits <laughs> <laughs> it's good just the little touches of the missing people wall and uh with all the flyers oh yeah and the fact that they only can survive on junk food because that's the only food that's going to survive right or radiated apples (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know it's just that small touch of you know all we can do is pump you up with painkillers and keep giving you sugar um it's just those little touches that really invigorated the zombie genre oh yeah like they thought about the practical realities of of like living day to day in a zombie apocalypse. Like, right. well, what would actually force someone to leave their home in that situation? Like, yeah. it, it was really well thought out. Yeah, the touch of Brendan Gleeson saying of Frank going, yeah, I saw this way to catch condensation and dew on a nature documentary, but I can't get it to work. Like, you know, it's just that that cool little moment of... You know, I I know that this is a thing. I saw it on TV, but I don't know how to do it. You know, I'm just a regular guy. I don't know how to survive. It was cool. I liked that. So, I mean, there, it seems like there's a, there's a lot to crush on. Oh, yeah. There's really so much to crush on. But a lot. What was your biggest crush? I'm tempted to say Brendan Gleeson because I like him as an actor. I knew you would like him. <laughs> well, I'm tempted to say him. And I like how he's such a nice guy. He's such yes. a likable guy. He and then the one the one moment he sort of lets loose and gives in to the temptation of exploding in anger is you know metaphorical in the sense that oops he becomes a rage man oh it's so tragic it's a great moment yeah um but oh naomi harris she's so great in this movie (laughs) she's top notch in this movie i got a huge crush on her you stole the words (laughs) out of my mouth brett i also love naomi harris she is a badass (laughs) she is such a badass and and i i don't know how i forgot that it was naomi harris that was selena but when i was rewatching the movie i was like oh yes naomi harris (laughs) Um, i'm so excited (laughs) i don't think i would have picked naomi harris as my crush i think i would have gone brendan gleason if it weren't for her haircut 
Really? She's got a totally badass sort of Mad Max style, almost mohawk sort of haircut in this movie. And it just stands out because Danny Boyle sort of shows her in profile a bit. Right, yeah. Her and, hair spikes in profile are yeah. really cool. Yeah, so. she does have cool hair in this movie. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought her character was badass. I I like the idea that um, strong female characters aren't just like, oh, a woman can do everything a man can do. I think being a strong female character is allowing that character to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to be strong despite that vulnerability. And something that I think you see from not well-drawn, strong female characters is that they don't take care of other people. They're just kind of out for themselves. But the sort of love and protection she feels towards Hannah, mm-hmm. I think that that's like more than her wielding a machete, which like, yeah, it's really fucking cool. What makes her a strong female character is how she takes care of the other people in the movie and then how she decides to protect a younger woman from being hurt, you know, in a yeah. horrible way. Right. That's strong. That's strength. Yeah. Hannah's got some some great minor touches too. Like it's she really does. cool how she um how she's the one who changes the tire. Mm-hmm. And they don't make a big deal out of no, it. No, not at all. It's just part of the movie. And also, That's her job. It's super... I thought this movie had better jokes than Night of the Living Dead. Like the credit card at the end of the shopping scene and stuff. Um, but when she takes the Valium and then the, the attack happens and Naomi Harris is like, we gotta go! And she's like, no, it's okay. I feel fine. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I did enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the, the humor comes from the characters and from the the scenarios and and you know putting these characters in these moments it's not quite as forced as yeah yeah no i would agree with that ready to get into those remakes i am super ready to get into the remakes i'm really curious about how you turned this movie into a rom-com because i i i struggled i struggled a lot i did until i i kind of uh, I kind of uh, leaned into the silliness aspect. And also, I think that these exercises in genre swapping are really great, just um, creative, you know, flexing, you know, creative exercise, right? So uh, I don't think this movie would really work as a movie, but it's just really cool to think about it in that way of I, the, I, I struggled up until the point where I said, 28 Days Later is about Jim and Selena, and it's about these two characters building a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's also about rage, right? So technically okay. not zombies. They're rage people, but they're zombies. Oh, so you so you did what I did to Deb to 28 Days Later. Right. So I got rid of the zombie aspect, and I leaned into the rage aspect in my movie if i want to go silly i called it 28 rage later (laughs) (laughs) but my real my real version is called undesirable oh i like one word titles like that right and and the poster would be like the two characters leaning back to back and it says desirable in like white font but then un is tilted to the side and it's like in red like undesirable oh i can see it i can see it (laughs) so uh jim and selena are at a town meeting and it's very 
Parks and Rec-ish. It's very silly, and you have all the loony people go up first. But then Jim and Selena stand up, and, like, they both say the same thing at the same time, where they're like, this is has to be this way. Or what about this? Enemies to lovers? And so they're, like, they're both protesty kind of... Um, Are they on opposite sides? No, they're both on the same side. So that's how they, that's the little meet cute is okay. they stand up on opposite sides of the town hall meeting shouting for the same cause. And then, you know, they look at each other and, you know, they make cute eyes at each other. And so then we have a sort of, oh, and then as they leave, we zoom in on this very ominous Chinese guy. <laughs> and so Why does he have to be Chinese? Because I, I have a reference to that later. Okay. So then we have a sort of reverse up, you know, the Pixar movie Up, okay. where they they have a relationship that, you know, is really sweet, but then the lady dies and is sad. In this version, they start to go on a date and they start to fall in love, but then they start to, you know, they get married and uh-huh. then, then they start to get on each other's nerves oh, no. and maybe like they're on the edge of divorce, but then they, they, maybe they're going to go on a trip, right? So they have all this mm-hmm. money set aside for a trip. This but... is what Stanley Cavell would call a comedy of remarriage. Ooh, I like it. Uh, oh, I also have to set up the fact that they're both or one, but I think they're both up for a big promotion or career Ooh. move. But the, the you know, again, this is a rom-com, so we're going to lean into it silly style. The The people that they work with are very much like, uh, we we want family people as part of our, you know, we want to promote family values. Oh. So they're going to, they're going to have, um, they're going to have a big dinner party where they show their bosses we're a good family. However, they're also on the verge of divorce. So very tense, right? So they're married, but it's also kind of a fake relationship. That, that's what they have to do is they have to kind of put on a fake relationship. But in yes. order to prep for it, instead of taking a trip, they take the money set aside for their vacation and they go into a 28-day meditation pod, which is like a little bit of a sci-fi kind of element where, you know, they get hooked up to feeding tubes or something and they go inside of... Um, what do you call it? Those isolation chambers? And they don't get like bed sores or No, it's like they're floating in water. It's it's a rom com. Oh, okay. It's silly. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> um and so, you know, they're they're pumped with um with like images and music that's calming and it's so supposed like to the mellow them out. in the beginning of the action. Right, movie? but reverse uh-huh. instead of rage, they're mellowed out. Okay. However, while they're in the meditation pods, the Chinese guy poisons the town's water supply with a weaponized rage variant of the Chinese shit from Crank. Because I love the movie Crank. Okay. (laughs) You're lost, right? I'm... I also love Crank, but I'm I'm just shocked at this turn. So, in Crank, if his... Once his adrenaline reaches a certain point... He can't let his adrenaline drop. Oh, no, no, I know, I know the plot of Crank. Oh, just in case the audience doesn't know. (laughs) So in my version, once the town drinks the water, if they get raged to a certain point, they become total childish, temper tantrum-filled rage man uh, adult babies where they just throw these temper tantrums. And it's not violent and gory. It's very silly, right? Just people enraged. Just people 
stomping and sitting on the ground pouting and yeah i don't want to do that and you know slap fighting with each other and... summer in texas sure <laughs> um and so like in order to lean in on the on again the silliness of it like anytime the rage people start raging uh, a group of police or medics come up and bonk them on the head and then they they take them on a stretcher and they take them away to an asylum and you know like the comedy bit of like hut, 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 hut. <laughs> so you know they go and they run and they bonk them on the head and then hut, 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 they bring them to an insane asylum or a rage asylum right where they can throw all the temper tantrums they want so our main characters have to find a way to reunite and rekindle their relationship while not getting mad at each other, even though they're getting on each other's nerves and on the verge of divorce. So a couple little comedy bits like cooking. Maybe Jim makes Selena the wrong kind of food. He puts like, he makes her a cherry pie or something, but she doesn't like cherries. And she's like, how could you not know that I don't like cherries? And he thought, I thought the opposite. I thought you love cherries. So, but they can't get mad at each other. So she has to, like, begrudgingly eat the pie out of spite. You know what I mean? Just to show that she's not mad at him. Again, very silly. I'm going <laughs> to lean into the rom-com aspect. It is um, very silly. Maybe, like, a haircut. She gets a haircut and he doesn't notice. So she's very angry at him. But her hair is so cool. How can you I not know, notice? Right? Uh, there's different little quirks, which I may or may not have taken from real life, where she doesn't clear the microwave when she microwaves something and maybe like I always yell at Sonia when she doesn't clear the microwave but it's you know it's like a joke like I don't clear the microwave and she yells at me because I never close the shower curtain Mm. and the shower curtain's got to be closed because otherwise the shower doesn't dry properly or whatever even though I've never had that problem but whatever so they have quirks like that yeah where they can't get mad but the, you know they have but to. But they want to get mad, right? Maybe there's a scene with road rage. Maybe she has to give him directions from the phone. But the you know how sometimes the phone acts up, and the directions get jumbled. And so she, you know he's in the fast lane, and he's got to take the exit now. And she's like, "Oh, take the exit now." And he's like, "Oh, you could have told me that a mile ago." Um, and then of course the big dinner party with the bosses. They have to prep the dinner and they're very antagonistic to each other but they have to be nice otherwise they turn into these childish babies uh so then they go basically society is falling apart and they have to go and they still are having this dinner party I, right. Didn't they get the news that they shouldn't have any large gatherings? Well, maybe when, maybe the couple, because I don't have this figured out, because I go right from dinner party to they live on a farm type co-op thing because the society has fallen apart. Uh, and they need to go somewhere where they can be at peace. Right. And they have to live. So they have to like farm for their own food and, you know, like this gentle society full of like hippies and stuff like that. Oh, and one little detail I want to throw in there is maybe the rich people all get lobotomies so like because they're rich enough to pay for the surgery so that like they can't they physically cannot get angry right so they get these like lobotomies that turns them into basically mindless zombies but it's by their own choice you know it's because they're so rich but couldn't it also turn them into sociopaths because like if you don't get angry or you don't feel rage 
then you aren't don't rich people feel... already sociopaths? I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they go to this farm hippie co-op thing, and then there's a big third act where like they start to get mad at each other, and like they can't hold it in anymore. And maybe Jim starts yelling at Selena, and he's like, "Arg, I don't like this." And then she kisses him. And then she pushes him away violently, and she's like, ah, I can't stand you for all these reasons. And they're, like, and then kissing. He, right, and then he kisses her. So it's kind of Mr. and Mrs. Smithy, where they're, like, fighting, but making out at the same time. And then... Knocking things over. The, the lesson of the movie is very... I, I guess I'm a, I drew a lot of Pixar inspiration from this. The lesson of the movie is very much, like, Inside Out, where it's like, you shouldn't never be sad. It's okay to be sad. It's just, right. you know, sometimes you should not be sad all the time, maybe. And so in this movie, it's like, it's okay to be angry at each other. It's okay to get on each other's nerves. It's healthy to vent that anger in a healthy way. But you got to do it in a way that is healthy. So it's okay to be angry, but you'd be an adult about it. Uh, and then, I can jive with that And then it's, it's very much that scene where they're making out and all the hippies start yelling at each other because they're like, oh, shit, we can all start yelling at each other because... As it's healthy, you know what I mean? And then you, you know, we have a little epilogue, like 28 days later, again, just like the uh-huh. real movie. Uh, and, you know, maybe I they're... I also sh- put those breaks in my movie. <laughs> and so then maybe they're shopping, and, like, the cashier goes to give them their groceries, and he's like, hey, shove them up your ass. And you're like, whoa, that's that's crazy, and he's insulting them. And then Jim, like Jim is like, fuck you very much, you know? And then they go outside into society, and society's just full of these happy, angry people, and it's the end. I think that's actually really <laughs> cute. I like that. Right, yeah. I don't know how it would actually work as a movie, but once I once I embrace the aspect of the challenge of making a, a, a rage-filled rom-com, I was like, oh, you know, it's it's not that bad. I like that spin. Yeah. I like that spin a lot. I... Like I said, I I had um, I had a lot of trouble <laughs> figuring mine out. <laughs> um, I, I decided to call it. It's been twenty eight days. <laughs> All right. Um, but I was kind of inspired by uh, that song by the Bare Naked Ladies. One week. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been one week. <laughs> um, it's but it's been twenty eight days. Um, so Jim is a bicycle courier in a post-zombie apocalypse London who spends his days delivering packages uh, and supplies among the remaining survivors of the city. So it's kind of like, I've never seen this movie, but the one, I think it's called like The Postman, where it's like uh, Kevin yeah, Costner or someone in a post-apocalyptic world and he starts delivering mail. Right. Um, but yeah, so he's, but he's like really cool on his bike. So like maybe we get like, an extended character intro of Jim where he's doing like this cool BMX stuff to avoid the zombies. Bike parkour. Yeah. Well, I mean like, you know, like BMX. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They can bicycle on anything. Um, So he's, you know, he spends his days delivering goods, looking around the city for survivors and hanging out with Frank and his daughter, Hannah, you know, life's not great because it's the zombie apocalypse, but you know, we're, we're like, more than 28 days into the apocalypse. So things have settled a little bit. People understand the rules. So one day he's out on a delivery to a priest when he gets chased by a herd of zombies and he gets a flat bike tire because it happens. 
and he gets rescued by Selena and introduces himself, and she thinks he's a fucking idiot for purposefully running around and helping people when they just slow you down, dude. Um, but he disagrees, and he takes her back to his hideout, and like it, it's it's one of those moments where it's like, you know, the romantic lead sees the cool place that the hero's been hiding, and it's like, this is where you live? And it's like this converted post office where he has, of course, a bunch of spare bike parts. Definitely. Got it. Oh, his bike is fortified, by the way. Like, it's like a cool... Like a, a Mad Max bike. Yeah, it's a Mad Max bike. It, it, it's it got stuff. Um, and she's, you know, she's starting to get impressed by him. And he insists that there's, you know, there's got to be something that, that she needs or wants or that he could get. Because he's the guy who gets stuff right. no, I like the it. apocalypse. Uh, and she zeroes in on the machete and says, this will do for now. Uh, so that begins their tentative friendship, but you know, he's obviously into her. Um, and they have totally different philosophies about surviving, but he introduces her to Celine, to Frank and Hannah. And then the four of them, they get into some post-apocalyptic fun, kind of like if you've ever seen last man on earth. Oh, where he's just having Will Forte's just I having, love Will Forte. Yeah, he's just having so fun, much. like bowling through vases or um, tossing objects off of high buildings onto cars, like the kind of shit you can do because now there's no more people. Um, and then Selena and Jim, they're getting closer. And then one night they share a kiss and they promise to meet again the following night. Uh, the next day, Jim is biking around looking for chocolate-covered oranges for Selena because... She lets it slip that they're her favorite, but no one's going to find them. And not even you, Jim. He's like, yeah, I am. (laughs) Um, And then he runs into the soldiers and they knock him out on Uh accident. Act two, 28 days later. Whoa. (laughs) Jim wakes up. He's in the soldier's compound. He doesn't have a memory. He, um, they take him in and they basically turn him into another dude bro soldier. Sure. Because, I mean, like, he's a blank slate at this point. He's going to take up whatever environment he's in. And then Selena, Frank, and Hannah, they're trying to figure out what happened to Jim because he's got people who depend on him. And they ultimately, they decide he's dead. And Selena takes up delivering to people in his place. So she's having a character turn where she's starting to care more about other people. Um, Oh, you oh. know what you do is you, if maybe they find his bike and his bike, he's not with his bike. And it's like, and oh, he, he would, would never, never leave, leave his bike. Jim would never so leave his bike. So she takes his bike friend. and tells Frank and Hannah, I'm going to leave town. But then when she gets to like the outskirts of town, she sees some trinket that reminds her of him and she decides to turn back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, she, that's how you do it. <laughs> she goes through all sorts of, of character development. Um, and then with no memory and only the influence of the frat lifestyle with the soldiers, Jim is just now a total asshole. Ugh. So when the soldier bros go into the city to look for surviving women, Selena does not expect to see Jim the way that he has become. Uh, and the soldiers, they try to fight her and take her. Um, while she's really confusing to Jim because she's trying to get him to remember her. So we got some classic rom-com amnesia. Um, So now we've got some quirky Home Alone action, 
between the soldiers and Selena, where they're like, you know, Pepe Le Pew style trying to get this lady. Um, They know that there's one woman around, so they're going to continue to hunt for her. Um, And Selena gets together with Frank and Hannah, and they hatch a plan. So we're getting kind of into third act territory. They figure out how to isolate Jim, and Selena lures him back to his old hideout where she's trying to show him all these items, jog his memory. And because this is actually, I don't, this plot turn, I felt really awful when I wrote it. And it's a terrible thing to do. And I don't, I would probably change things if I were to make this an actual movie. But because Jim is an asshole, he tells her, I remember but he does not remember. And she's so excited, though. They have sex. <laughs> and the next day, he reveals the truth. And Selena is pissed. She is pissed because she loves the gym that she remembered. Right. She doesn't love asshole soldier gym. And she basically tells him to fuck off forever. And even if he gets his memory back, still fuck off forever because that was messed up. Yeah. Uh, so he goes back to the soldier's compound in shame because he he did her dirty. Uh, and he accidentally knocks a box over and it contains the stuff he was brought in with. And that's when he sees the chocolate-covered oranges that he was going to get for her. So nothing jogged his memory until he saw the one item for yeah. his lady. So he remembers everything. He gets revenge on the soldiers, but he leaves the cool one, Farrell, alone. Right. And Farrell basically is like, yeah, I'm going to get these guys on the right track, and you won't have to worry about them anymore. Um, and he goes back to the city, and he grovels before Selena. He swears his apologies. And we get a time jump 28 weeks later. I was trying to decide how long it would take a woman to forgive a man right. who deceived her so awfully to get her into bed. Well, in <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About You, it's one guitar. <laughs> one, gu- one guitar later. <laughs> one guitar later. Well, so so Selena takes a bit more time right. to forgive um, being deceived in such a way. Uh, so 28 weeks later jim is back to his deliveries um and every day he goes back to selena's place to deliver her something and apologize again um he's just you know gonna keep showing up no matter what and then finally we end on her opening the door and saying hey why don't you come in Mm -hmm. so still an ambiguous ending where we don't see that they get reunited but it's implied that she's forgiven him at this point all right. Yeah, I like it. The I like the courier aspect, keeping that in and sort of like, yeah, how he's... He's the guy who gets he, things. Yeah, he's the guy who gets things. I like that. I like when characters have that sort of specialized feel that they're really good at. Right. Like, I mean, and besides, again, because I still maintain that Jim is meant to be kind of a beta hero, mm-hmm. like his lane isn't, I'm the guy who kills zombies. Or, like, I'm the badass. Like, right. And in the actual movie, the first zombie he kills is already disadvantaged in that it's a child zombie that's right. fairly easy for him to kill. Um, and then he kills 
bunch of people who aren't zombies. <laughs> nice. Um, but, but yeah, like that's not his character type. Like you leave it to Selena to be the, you know, the zombie slayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Um, I have a super quick question, just sort of a thumbs up, thumbs down question. 28 weeks later? Um, uh, I would do Joaquin Phoenix sideways thumb. You okay. know, because I feel like it had elements to it that were good. I have very mixed feelings about zombie intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like, either the zombie is fully intelligent or the zombie is dumb. I kind of, I don't necessarily like the in-between. Right. I guess um, Shaun of the Dead kind of got away with that because Nick Frost... I mean, spoiler right. alert. Um, but um, but yeah, that was the aspect of 28 Weeks Later gotcha. that I thought was kind of like, like, because like they, because it's Robert Carlyle is the main guy and he's like the smart zombie who, who tracks them. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wasn't, I was kind of ambivalent about that. And then they were like, well, what if the fast zombies chased you? During the day, I feel like that's kind of like the pitch meeting for 28 weeks later. Like before they could only chase you at night. What if they chased you during the day? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, I don't think 28 days later needed a sequel, but I really liked it. You really liked it? Yeah, I like the aesthetic of it. I like the, it's more of a thrill ride. I like that they switch genres. Yeah, Yeah. they totally did a genre switch. Right. So I like that it kind of does an aliens where it's just leaning into the action element of it. Um, Yeah, I really liked it, but I can definitely see how people don't like it. Or again, I don't think. It had elements that I liked. Like I like the beginning of that movie where Robert Carlyle's character decides to let his wife the mother of his children get killed by the zombies right and and him having to live with that choice of of not saving her right no it's yeah it's a good oh the other thing i i was gonna say about it i feel like they have like a train station scene Mm -hmm. in 28 weeks later which is basically the cinematization of the scene that Mark described in 28 Days Later when he was talking about like, oh, you just had to keep climbing on right. people to get out. Like somebody on the 28 Weeks Later team was like, yeah, we got to just make that a real thing that happens in the movie. Sure. Apparently they are coming out with a third 28 Days Later movie. I didn't even. I don't know hear if it's gonna be that. 28 months later right. or what. What they're gonna do? Wow, I'm curious. Curious. 28 years later. <laughs> um. So, did you have any love bites for our lovely listeners? You know, I had a hard time coming up with some love bites this week. I I haven't seen anything that fresh. Um. But I settled on this show, People of Earth, because so what drew me to Night of the Living Dead, as I said before, is I like Maria Thayer. I think she's mm-hmm. a great bit comedic actress, and she can do a lot more. And then um, the guy who plays Ryan, Michael Cassidy, I recognized him from this show, People of Earth, which um, the show stars Wyatt Snack. 
and he plays this investigative journalist who goes to this small town where there's a group of people who it's a support group for people who think that they've been abducted by aliens. Mm. And then while in the town, Wyatt Cenac's character gets abducted by aliens. Whoa. <laughs> and then he joins the group. Right. And Michael Cassidy plays his boss, who's kind of calling him and checking on him while he's in this small town. And then things get revealed about his character. Um, and you, you learn more about um, both the abductees and the actual aliens. And it's a little show. It got canceled after two seasons, hmm. but... it. it I thought that it was really cute and well done, and I, I enjoyed the premise. What's it on? Is it? I think it was on TBS, if I okay. recall correctly. But yeah, it, it's because like in peak TV, you know, there's just too many TV shows right. for you to catch them all. And I think this one just kind of fell by the wayside and so yeah. only made it to two seasons. But I, I thought that it was very sweet. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of TBS shows, but I think they've got, I think they're kind of like, the hidden gem of cable television. They they do have some some stuff like uh, I also like uh, Miracle Workers. I think is through TBS and that that's a fun show too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, People of Earth. That's my love bite. What People about you? Of Earth. Well, speaking of Will Forte, uh, Sonia and I saw the movie Extraordinary. Oh my God. Facebook has been telling me about that movie nonstop. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's, I mean, I just love Will Forte. I love him on SNL. I love him in any cameo or little bit party makes. I freaking love MacGruber. That movie is I think it's hilarious. Awesome. Um, and so Extraordinary is about a lady who is talented in sort of paranormal ways. And Will Forte is a sort of one-hit wonder who wants to make a deal with a demon so that he can get back on top of the music scene. And in order for him to do that, he needs a human sacrifice. And so he gets this guy's daughter and she has to help the guy the, the main lady has to help the guy sort of exercise this demon hold on the, on his daughter. And they just go around and it's very quirky. It's a, it's a very slow kind of subtle humor, very indie, your sort of typical quirky indie comedy. Um, but it's just, it's just a really funny movie. It's, you know, it's not like airplane funny, but it's, well, it's a different it's type an of humor. enjoyable, right? It's an enjoyable. Is a spoof. Like, yeah. Anything with Leslie Nielsen in it <laughs> is going to have a very particular flavor. <laughs> For sure. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, uh, it's like, uh, again, like speaking of TBS and Hidden Gems, it's just a little hidden gem of a movie that since we're talking about paranormally horror, spoofy, comedy, remixy type movies, uh, definitely worth checking out. Good to know. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of ads and trailers for the movie. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I love Will Forte, so I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, that is all for today. See ya. See ya next time.
Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.